This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it. Oh, he's going to Watch the up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello. Welcome to the Republic of Football live from Big 12 Media Day here at AT&T Stadium. I'm your host, the college editor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Ishmael Johnson. Sitting across from me as usual. Actually, not as usual because he lives in Austin now. Mm. It's Mike Craven, our senior college writer. How you doing, bud? Doing pretty good. Back in DFW. Yeah. Nobody asked me to be here, but I'm here. <laughs> but you are here. The reason why you can hear us, of course, is everyone's favorite Mal Pal, producer Mallory Hartley. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I feel a little bit better now that we are up and running and live yeah. on everything, but yeah. we're good. I'm yeah. glad to be here. <laughs> we get She's here. been quietly nervous for I was about to say, hours. like, you, you, you're... I contain it pretty well, though, right? Yeah, you like, do. You haven't been you able do. to I could tell, though. Better than in the past. Better than in the past. Better than in the past, because you used to, yeah, I, I would have seen you pacing for, like, the last hour or whatever. Uh, yes, it's fine. Uh, but, no, we are up and running. We are here. Brett Yormark for the Big 12 Commissioner is about to give his opening statement. Um, we're going to have some special guests on. Let me give you a quick rundown of the show. We're going to be on for the next hour. Uh, Carter Yates will join us after Brett Yormark gives his opening remarks. Um, just giving us whatever he says. I don't know. It's typically a typical commissioner stuff, state of the pro- state of the conference, future, all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to have some of the Republic of Football podcasters on. I'm very excited. We got, of course, TCU uh, text tomorrow, but we got TCU uh, Melissa Trebowasser and Jimmy Plunkett from Frogs Insider here today. Uh, we'll have some of the Gambling Gauchos, or Rob Bro of the Gambling Gauchos on later today as well. Uh, Ryan Monso of Go Cougs as well. Um, and yeah, we'll be talking to, and then Sam Khan at the, at, uh, at the Athletic will be joining us uh, sometime later today as well. So like I said, we got all the Texas teams going on. We're, this, is thir- this is Wednesday. Uh, Tech is the only Texas team on Thursday. And, yeah, I mean, I guess just first is a little bit of an intro. You know, Craven, what do you look for when it comes to, when it comes to media days in general? Uh, we're obviously going to be covering a lot of them in the next two weeks. Uh, we got Big 12 now. We got AAC and then Conference USA next week. Uh, is that all the ones I'm thinking of for the yeah. next two weeks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be kind of chock full, uh, coincidentally enough, in this little triangle of, of Arlington. Uh, we got AT&T, Choctaw, and Globe Life kind of hosting all of them. Uh, so, Craven, what are you kind of uh, looking for when you, come, when you come to Media Days? You know, my favorite part about Media Days is hearing all the questions we ask for the magazine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Because a lot of the reporters here don't cover these teams on a day-to-day, week-to-week mm-hmm. basis. And so sure. they kind of rehash some stuff, ask some things. And so you're going to get an idea of what's changed between maybe the end of spring practice and now uh, nowadays with the transfer portal there's a lot of new names obviously on all sure. the rosters a lot of them uh, being made up and so you can kind of get a feel of what the comfortability level is for yeah. each of the coaches and their rosters uh, and then this year is unique because it's crowded you know we yeah. got five teams from the state of Texas in the Big 12 Dana Holgerson's been walking around Chris Pesman the athletic director from Houston's already here uh, Sark's in in the house already and mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's a very crowded room, kind of a once, uh, literally a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. opportunity here, and this is the only time it's going to be 14. Uh, so it's going to be a going to be a busy, pretty fun day, I would hope. Yeah, we were we were talking about how we walked in and it's oriented differently this year because there's like three more teams, so there's three bigger, you know, more media coverage. Usually, uh, if you're if you walk into AT&T or you just know the orientation of the football field, 
uh, last year was like just oriented long ways, right? They had the press conference, they had the the main presser kind of at midfield, and everybody was kind of back towards the end zone. Uh, this year it's the other way; it's going from uh, from midfield out horizontally uh, because there's more teams and there's more media, things like that. So, uh, I think one oh, of the ahead. coolest things is that they actually have the national championship trophy like on display. Oh yeah, I like, like that. They've yeah. got a couple of the bowl trophies, the semifinal sure. trophies over there, but I think one of the coolest things is that they've got the national championship trophy just on display for everybody to take pictures of, mm -hmm. which would make me a little nervous, but <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool touch to Big 12 Media Day. Yeah, I'd say so. All right, so I mentioned we're going to have some of our podcasters from the Republic of Football on today. We have our first guest officially here. Melissa Trebowasser from Frogs Insider. How are you, Melissa? I am great, or I was great until Mallory started talking about the national championship trophy. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that. Um, everything and or being in this building again has some negative memories oh for God, me. Yeah, I so about that. you guys are all really happy and excited. I'm just thinking about the Fiesta Bowl. Like that, just <laughs> that is where I go back to in my happy place when I need to. I think Mike saw me cry that night um, quite a bit and happy tears. But yeah, uh, you know, I do want to counter you on one thing. You said okay. it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for 14 teams uh -huh. that's not the way brett yormark has been talking okay so that's true. I, that's I a mean good point. these 14 teams these yeah, 14 yeah, these teams 14, are yeah. once in a lifetime but i have a feeling we might be doing this again or at least for basketball big 12 media say, days yeah we'll see uh, yeah. the next season yeah so. like i said carter yates right now is uh listening to the, the opening remarks you can maybe hear him in the background maybe a little echoes of him but uh we'll see what he has to say you know yeah. somebody's gonna, of course that question we know about Heard rumors about Gonzaga. Heard rumors about San Diego UConn, State, right? Yeah. UConn. All Memphis, like, we'll yeah. see. We'll see if there's something uh, to talk about there. But I do want to talk a little bit about not just TCU football, but kind of TCU athletics. Yeah, it's been <laughs> uh, a good, yeah, for, good for year you, to be a Horn Frog, right? And for you and Jamie, just like this whole year, starting from August all the way until literally the College World Series, you know, what's it been like just kind of this whole <laughs> year? Yeah, I mean, I think we all worked a lot harder than we anticipated this year. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it. It, you talk about once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. You know, I've, I've been around TCU for, an, I'm not going to say how many years, um, <laughs> since I was a student, and, and my, I'm going to age myself potentially here, but my freshman year at college, we were 1-10. in 10. And our one win was SMU, and we tore down the goalpost because that's the kind of state TCU football was in right. when I was a freshman in college. And so, you know, to kind of come up with the Gary Patterson era and think, oh, we've hit the mountaintop with the Rose Bowl, or we've mm -hmm. hit the mountaintop, you know, sharing a Big 12 championship, and then to see that, that in a year one of a new coach and a new system that TCU football could achieve that and then that success could spill over into the volleyball program and the beach volleyball program which made it to the final four and the basketball program which Jamie Dixon has slowly but surely gotten to be a, a regular yeah. attendee in the NCAA tournament and again prior to that first appearance a couple of years ago TCU hadn't been in the NCAA tournament again I'm gonna people can figure this out do the math but since my freshman year of college sure, sure. so there the, all of these things it, it's the rising tide lifts all boats right and when you talk to coaches at other programs you know one of the things they say is yeah we saw what what TCU football was doing the national stage that they got the attention that brought to the university so positively and we all want to achieve that level we all feel like we have that expectation not in a negative way mm -hmm. but in a positive way and then this performance facility that's going to be opening that's going to be physical and mental performance that was basically fully funded mm -hmm. off of TCU football's run that's going to benefit all these programs uh, Jeremiah Donati deserves all his flowers yeah. you know for sure with what he has done and he's elevated himself 
to being a candidate. You know, USC, that he's one of the names that's been mentioned for that program. Seems like he's got a pretty good thing going, and maybe he's talking to his buddy Chris Del Conte at Texas to see if the brighter spotlight is really worth it. But, sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been unbelievable to see this tiny little university in Fort Worth, Texas that nobody had ever heard of back when I applied yeah. becoming something that, you know, they're going to get 30,000 applications this year, they anticipate, for, for the freshman class. I think they that's had incredible. 27 or 28 this past year. I, I've got, I'm a high school teacher. i got students that can't get in now, and I'm like, well, this is like a good thing and a really bad thing. But, <laughs> right. yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's insane to see. And now, now the real question becomes, how do you build on that? Sure. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, like, I, I think there's a worry that the ceiling becomes the floor, sure. you know, and the expectations have risen so much, right, going into year two. A lot of guys off that team, you know, a lot of the, a lot of key players not there. Uh, as a TCU grad, as, as a fan first, what is an acceptable year two? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I was chatting with Jamoy Hodge before we came over here, and I asked him what's a realistic expectation for TCU football in 2023. And, you know, because he's a football player and he's a leader, he said Big 12 championship and national championship. And I I had, I had to kind of stifle my, my shocked face a little <laughs> bit. But uh, I think – from a real, like, there's so many question marks. I mean, you don't lose a Max Duggan and replace it with a guy who has yet to make it through two starts at quarterback sure. healthy and think, oh, yeah, this is this is the floor now. I think an expectation is you're going to have to, you, you need to beat Texas, you need to beat Baylor, you know, you need to do those things that you've proven you can consistently do. Uh, you need to be in the hunt for a Big 12 championship appearance into November, I would imagine. <laughs> but this, to me, with the way the schedule lines up, um, you know, Jamie will probably counter that. He thinks TCU can start seven and seven and zero pretty realistically. I look at this as is probably eight and nine, maybe ten wins if everything breaks right. You do you do have some winnable games on that schedule, but at the end of the day. Um, I think TCU getting back to the Big 12 championship would be a huge accomplishment mm -hmm. and would not be an easy path. And so from a realistic fan perspective, if you can finish your season with double-digit wins that include a bowl win, I think that's exceptional. Yeah. If you're in that eight, nine win range and you're still in the hunt to get back to Arlington in December, then, then most of the fan base should be okay with that. Sure. I think a lot of people look at what happened to Baylor, you know, go from 12 wins yeah. down to six and seven wins. But I think the difference for TCU is how good and comfortable Sunny is with the transfer yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, with the new guys that are coming in, who are you most excited to kind of watch perform this year or think could have the biggest role? So this is this is the dumbest possible answer, but also the best possible answer from a football perspective. I cannot wait to see Willis Patrick on the field. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that When you look at three guys in NFL camps from that offensive line, when you look at Steve Avila, who was a second-round pick and, a, you know, an All-American, and you think about what TCU's biggest struggle over the, the four, last four years of the Gary Patterson regime was mm -hmm. the trenches. It was not being able to generate a pass rush, and it was the offensive line was hot garbage um, no offense to those guys they, they a lot of them ended up in NFL camp still which is right. weird right um, but it just it didn't work as a unit and so I think that this offensive line being able to generate protection especially with Chandler Morris's injury history and with the system that Kendall Bryles wants to run is going to be so crucially important and when you look at who you're replacing bringing a guy with that level of experience who's played at that high level and is frankly just that much of a unit sure. right that is a, that is a <laughs> dude a big dude that is a dude so <laughs> I, I think bringing him and, and if he can kind of help solidify that next to some of these guys that are getting some attention from the senior bowl, you know, we've got Brandon Coleman here yep. today. Um, there's some talent there. So if A.J. Ricker, you know, Kaz Kazadi with the strength and conditioning program, if they can slot in, you know, one or and then Colton Deary is the other guy coming from Maryland. Mm -hmm. If those guys can slot in and play and be effective, then I have a lot of confidence in the skill position guys and, and the defense this year. 
I should also mention my preseason transfer portal crush, which is John Paul Richardson, who was yes. the guy I was least excited about seeing sign. I was like, who's that? No. <laughs> and then I watched him in the spring game, and I went, this dude's going to lead the team in catches. He's not going to yeah. lead the team in yards or touchdowns, but right. he's going to lead the team yeah. in receptions. Right. He is – he is – I, like he's I don't, I don't want to like slot white wide receiver lunch pail guy right. gritty right, <laughs> right. but blue but collar. He, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I forgot one. First in the gym. Yeah, yeah. 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 Lastly, he's, last he's, <laughs> he's not quick. You're right, right, right. Exactly. But sneaky, he's athletic. sneaky, fast. sneaky fast. Yeah. <laughs> Footwork. Yeah. I'm just using all the things that yeah. have ever been said about it, me. He, he's Bill Belichick's <laughs> dream, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, wait. Yeah. All the things that, okay, uh, sneaky fast. <laughs> I, when I sneaky see my guy, I go fast. sneaky fast. I, uh, I robbed a few places. I was sneaky fast <laughs> as I was getting out of there. Uh, I, I've heard some stories, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kirby's like, probably for me. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, those are, those are probably the two guys. Because offense sure. has been the hardest hit, right, yeah, exactly, by the draft. Exactly. So those are the two guys that I think could be difference makers day one against Colorado. And, and then if I – just selfishly, the yeah. guy I'm most excited about seeing is Deion Sanders on September 2nd. So that's, <laughs> that was my childhood yeah. sports crush. So that'll be, that'll be, I, I, mean, that's I already told Jamie. Game. Dude, I told Jamie. I was like, I'm not in the TCU press conference. Sorry, Sonny. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going over to prime time, baby. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm hitting that up yeah. for sure. That is going to be a massive game. Oh, like, my gosh. Like, Big noon go. Saturday. I'm gonna go. You're invited. I got you. I'm you're there. Go. I'm yeah. Good, good. Yeah. I was going anyway. It's going to be a show. It's going to be a show. Yeah, Big Noon Saturday. Day there, color. I mean, there's so many storylines. It's gonna be it, well, yeah, You cannot so, lose. I was gonna say, there's just so many unknown stuff about yeah. each team. You yeah. know, like we don't know what Colorado is gonna look like coming in. TCU's got a lot of question marks. It's yep. just gonna be such a fun game. Like, boom, right at noon and, and on we, week one. And we literally don't know what Colorado's gonna look like because you can't name yeah. five you of those players. Say, you know, <laughs> you know, Sugar no. Sanders and Travis Hunter, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> like, I talked to Sonny, and I was like, how do you prepare? For a team that you can't, he's like, you just watch the coordinators' last stops and right. just try to, because yeah. like, even those That's coordinators weren't with him. Candle, yeah, State, Candle was at you know? Toledo, I think. Yeah, right? I think and so. I forgot where the DC uh, came from. Yeah. So, but uh, the other part of that is, I think a lot of coaches are going to try to humble Deion Sanders as much as possible. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Sonny can put up seventy on Deion. He's going to put up. You know, we were talking about dating yourself earlier. Like when I was coming out of high school, TCU was in the whack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like. You're aging yourself a little bit. Yeah, too. thank yeah, you no, for no. helping <laughs> me out there. But like, the gray, you got the gray. The gray so, hair yeah. does it. On I got its a own. little bit of that, but yeah. I'm very tall, gray, so no, most people didn't see it. The gray hair does it on its own. Uh, but like, if we go back and we talk to like 1999, Melissa, right? Mm -hmm. And like, we see what's happening now. Allen. No, <laughs> she was not. Uh, when we see, when we see, it's it's a painful thing. When we see the the, and then with the playoff expanding and just like where TCU is now. I mean, do you pinch yourself sometimes? It's just like, oh. a like what this is and how it's become this? I mean, my, my favorite story from this last season, my favorite self-serving story was, you know, we're, we're on the field of the Fiesta Bowl, and, and it's, you're starting to feel it. Mm -hmm. And you can see, and, and when that weird play, that weird review, whatever, and the players are, are, are celebrating, mm -hmm. and, and then you wait, you have to wait for like three minutes, it's indeterminable amount of time, it just feels like forever. And then when they finally are like, game over, the yeah. horn sounds, the confetti goes up, and I, I wanted to be so professional. Like I wanted to be, and like, I just couldn't do, do it. Sure. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, no. and the tears, like with like the tears just start rolling down. And yeah. it's just this moment of one in 10, getting pepper sprayed for taking down the goalposts, you know, like <laughs> the, the Rose Bowl feeling that sure. the, the, the day that TC was invited to the big 12, you know, them saying, welcome home. Right. Like that, like all of those moments just kind of come flooding back. Like to you mentioned, you think you hit a ceiling, you right? You, you think this, this is it, right? right? This is where we're going to be. And this then is it, and like, I'm just, getting chills. Yeah. And maybe it's just cold in here, but, but, <laughs> and, and so I, I'm crying and the mascot comes over to me, the Fiesta Bowl mascot, that creepy son. <laughs> and he puts his arm around me and he goes, happy tears. And my, because I'm a smart aleck, my response was, "You're not supposed to talk, dude." But 
<laughs> you just destroyed the magic. <laughs> but I you were real. Yeah. <laughs> There's a person in there. What? Uh, and and I was like, yeah, like I was like, this is this is a once in a lifetime because TCU being in that moment again. Sure. As a Final Four team is never happening, right? right? Maybe right. an expansion, or whatever. But right. but yeah, it was it was such a magical moment. It was such a special moment. And then it's but then it's like. Oh God, we got we got to do this again in two weeks, and right, then we right. forgot about that one. I don't know what happened; <laughs> blacked out the entire time. Yeah, cable got cut off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't even happen, actually. Oh, yeah, right. it was. Uh, it. I, there were great moments that week. The game was not yeah. among them, but <laughs> right. uh, sure. but yeah, but it, it was. It is. It's just like I cannot believe that I've been a part of this journey for so for quarter century now yeah. or more, and and gotten to watch a team that I love so much do something so magical, and being on the field for that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to take that for granted. And even just being here, being with you guys, like this is not something that if you had told 17-year-old Melissa who stepped foot at, on TCU's <laughs> campus for the first time that you're going to be a part of this, you're going to get to be behind the scenes on all this. It's, it's pretty special. And when you love the school that you went to, and, and you love, you know, you you've been so invested. Those moments are really, really cool and really special, and I always want to be a fan first. And yeah. I, I, I like to call myself a lowercase J journalist because it al- allows yeah. me to cry on the field at sure. the festival. That's really that. what it's about. Well, like you mentioned, TC is part of the Big 12 family going forward, and now you and Jamie are part of the Republic of Football family. Oh, now. it's Te- so Dave great. Campbell's it's Texas so great. It's so awesome. We're very happy. So, yeah, if you if you loved hearing Melissa just now, Even definitely listen to <laughs> Jamie's better. <laughs> so, yeah. There's another option, too. Yeah, Jamie's on, this, on Frogs Insider, too. <laughs> Subscribe uh, on the same feed right here, uh, Republic of Texas. Uh, Republic of Football, excuse me, uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Network. Ever-growing, right? We have yeah. some more announcements pending as well. But, yeah, we're going to have soon, pretty soon, all 13 FBS programs. But if you're a TCU fan listening to this, if you're not a TCU fan listening to this and you just want to hear more about TCU, yeah. Frogs Insider. So they, they got a Patreon as well. Subscribe to the Patreon, yeah. all that stuff. They're pr- providing content. Hard to find better people more plugged in with TCU than Melissa and Jamie. Uh, yeah, so I guess, I mean, TCU is kind of like a, a a new mainstay, I guess. Uh, you know, people kind of wonder about who the next teams are going to be now that you know the the quote unquote flagships are kind of leaving. And last year was like the perfect year to have like a breakout team right. and a breakout pogr- program, right? We're seeing TCU, we're seeing Tech get more hype. We'll see what they do on the field this year. But like, it's kind of wide open as far as like who that next flagship program or programs are going to be in the next era of the Big Twelve. So that's going to be crazy. Yeah, and I and I think you know, and and I've got to you know just crap on Ari Temkin while while we're here. <laughs> while you mentioned uh, for being the one guy that gave Oklahoma State a first place vote. Um, <laughs> Love you, Ari. Um, but idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, I called him. I called it out on Twitter. I was like, "Who is this idiot?" And Ari was like, raised his yeah. hand, and again, I was like, "I love you, dude. You're the best." Um, Good on yeah. him for claiming it. Oh, I, oh, I, I respect yeah. it. I, I think he's a, he's a ridiculous, but uh, yeah. But all the, yeah, the tech hype is is insane too. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're TCU coming mm-hmm. off of that season across athletics, you have to be the one that runs out and grabs the flag and yep. says, "We're going to bear it." We're, yep. And, and you, you're you've been the number three recruiting team in the conference behind Texas and Oklahoma for most of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You've, you've you're working the transfer portal. You've got all the positive momentum. You've got as much money as any program in, in the conference, probably not named Oklahoma State mm-hmm. after Texas and Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma doesn't have any money, but. Um, um, that's why they're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I, I think that the yeah, it's 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 ripe for the taking. TCU needs to be successful this year to show that they can. Sure. That they 100%. can be that team. Yeah. 
All right, so yeah, that'll I got to give up my seat for yeah, a more was, important guy. No, no, yeah, no this, absolutely no, this is the, not. This is the great, the great one right here. This we is kept, one of my favorite we people. Kept him, we kept this guy, Sam Khan, by the way. Let's you can't. You can, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say we get, we're about to have a showdown here between Craven <laughs> and Sam Khan when Khan gets on the air. So uh, thank you, Melissa, again. Thank you, guys. Hey, and, and all the love you gave us, Frogs Insider. I want to say being a part of Dave Campbell's is about the coolest thing in the entire world. Someone spent a lot of time in the state of Texas, knowing what this, what this institution means to football in the state yeah. of Texas. It's absolutely my honor to be associated with Mallory, and you guys aren't bad either. Pre- <laughs> I love Appreciate you. I love you. <laughs> anyway, as Craven's nemesis gets us, <laughs> gets us his headset frenemy. on. Frenemy. <laughs> frenemy. Frenemy. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's just a frenemy. Yeah. <laughs> Before he gets on here, I, Sam is one of my best friends. I love yeah, Sam. No, yeah, we love Sam. Friendly. Friendly Everybody loves yeah. Sam. Friendly Tex-pert. competition. Texpert. The Texpert, which we're still mad that we did not yeah. pick that <laughs> very, title. Very angry. Sam Conn from The Athletic. My wife told me I should trademark that. <laughs> you should. You, you should. should. You should. I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to take the title. Well, I was, I'll <laughs> tell you this right now. Uh, somebody from another outlet was talking to me about, like, oh, yeah, we're, think, we're thinking about hiring a position. It's like, should we, like, nickname kind of our thing Texpert? And I was like, you can't do that. No. I was like, why? And so I sent him Sam Khan's Twitter bio. And he was like, oh, never mind. I was like, yeah, you can't do that. And so Sam Khan from The Athletic. What's up? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I am uh, trying to see how I stack up with Craven on the kicks today. Yeah, you're close. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, close. I didn't see Sam's. I didn't he's see got, he's got Jordan, three, Jordan three, Ooh, Wizard, yeah. Wizard's colorway today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. Oh, y'all, yeah. Clean, yeah. Clean. I mean, I have Kobe draft days on, so I'm going to win that one. I wore that today. You know, I had to. Yeah. I had to. 100%. You know, I thought I was going to see some good shoot. Acho and I are in a battle from last year, so, so uh, we're seeing how that goes. Okay. Speaking of Kobe, do you have a pair of Grinches? Yeah. I yeah. need a pair of yeah. Grinches uh, really badly. I've, I've only worn them I twice, did. though. Yeah. I oh, special occasions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I need it's probably what I'm going to get buried in. May try to get the reverse Grinches this December. Yeah. Nice. We're gonna so. turn this into a shoe store. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> shoe interview. That's not what y'all came well, to talk I will, about. But I will say. Well, I will say. I was talking to. I was talking to Mallory uh, before we, way before we went on air. Uh, you used to be. You're retired now. You used to be the best dressed to be, person yeah. here. And, and so I had I, kids. Yeah, no, well, that's, that's, I was just about to say that because I walked by and I looked over. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, you can just walk by Sam Con now because yes, he, he's right. just dressed yeah. normally. Like I, I feel like reporter. I passed the the torch to Shayhan J. Raja. Yes, yes, because yes. I had kids and I cannot spend money on suits <laughs> and ties and fancy shoes. shoes. Well, the shoes, yes, <laughs> but it's the shoes that are comfortable. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like I can yeah. wear some J's. Are they in the closet? Is it like hung? Is it like in the rafters now? What's yeah, what, what everything's in the closet. Okay. And uh, actually, the red corduroy coat that I used to wear way back in the day when that first happened, yeah. that's gone. Like I actually donated that because uh, it, it just it didn't fit anymore. Also, also after a while, yeah. so I. And, and also, it's too damn hot to wear a corduroy coat in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah. gotten a little Man, hotter in the so last hot 10 years. Right so, now. yeah. No, so, um, but with the kids, yeah, it was just, it didn't make sense. And so, I'm just like, let me get comfortable. I'll have a nice hat. I'll have some nice kicks. Yeah. I'll look presentable. There you go. But we're not going to blow it out. I'll let the young generation <laughs> carry the torch from here and there you just go. focus on doing the job. There you go. What is Baylor? <laughs> just jump right into <laughs> it. Right into it. <laughs> I was just talking. Obvious. I was just talking with Paul Catalina <laughs> over there about the guy that looks like Dave Aranda mm-hmm. that does UFC. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, 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 Robbie Lawler. We, we were at we were, Lawler. we were at Gabe. Robbie yes, Lawler. Robbie Lawler. We were at Gabe Brooks. We were at Gabe Brooks is watching the UFC this yeah. past weekend. He was like, "That looks like Dave Aranda." We're like, yeah. Yeah. "It oh does. It really like, does." What's Dave Aranda doing there? And we were like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's fighting. Like but I, love, I love that. That's just a thing now. Just passing around. Yeah, Robbie Lawler is Dave Aranda. But but the thing is, is to me, this is going to be such a fascinating, revealing year for Baylor because. 
I, I look at year one as a wash because of the circumstance he sure. took over yes. with COVID and not being able to be around his team and first-time head coach. Yes. Then year two, everything goes right. You win the Big 12. You win the Sugar Bowl. You have the best season of school history. But it also is a roster heavily stocked with talent that was recruited by the previous head coach and previous staff. Mm-hmm. Then you go to year three where you have the high expectations. You don't live up to them. And now I think we're asking here in year four, what is this program? How good is Dave Oranda really? Yeah. Is is he an elite coach who just had a bad year last year, or is he somebody who won with the previous staff's talent and is still trying to figure it out? The one thing I do appreciate about Dave is that Dave is very introspective and flexible, mm-hmm. and he's willing to evolve. He's willing to learn, and there's a lot of coaches who don't aren't willing to do that. Sure. Um, I can name one in particular that I'll <laughs> leave unspoken right now, but that, that has been a little bit tougher to evolve and, and adapt as the d- day has changed. But you look at in his first two years, they didn't use portal. Now they're going heavy portal. Yeah. They, they changed the offense after one year. Jeff Grimes, great decision. He fired his mentor, Ron yeah. Roberts. Like yeah. that took a lot of guts to do. Yeah, that was a hard thing. And, and, but he is protective. He is clearly going to prioritize his team's culture the team chemistry, the coaching staff culture and chemistry. The question is, and this is the question I have, is can that all add up to a team that consistently wins or contends for Big 12 championships? Sure. And I think this year is going to be important about taking a step back forward, getting back to eight wins or nine wins, and put yourself back in that conversation of being in the Big 12 title mix because they went in the second week in November. They were 6-3. and three. If they went out, they're in the Big 12 title game. Right. So they were not a bad team. But they just had a lot of flaws that ended up coming back to bite them. And so I think they can be a team that consistently is in that conversation long term. Heck, they've won three Big 12 titles in the last decade. Mm-hmm. So they can be a program. It's just a question of is Dave the guy to get them there? And can they take that step forward this year? Because if they don't take that step forward, then I think you have a lot of uncertainty moving forward. Yeah, I think Dave Aranda is good for college football. His personality is good for the head coaching position to show that you can be a different kind of guy in that spot. Do you worry that if it doesn't work for him at Baylor that like that that stereotype of a coach kind of gets solidified a little bit more? A little bit because uh, you know we've always done it one way mm-hmm. in the sport and football and college football it's always been the the hard ass yeah. and it's been you know the grinder and not the thinker so to speak. And I do feel like we're moving more of that direction. You look at Aranda, you look at Joey McGuire who's a more of a culture guy. Mm-hmm. Sonny Dykes more of a culture guy. Uh, I, I think even and, – and not to say – I mean, Nick Saban is more of the hardline guy, but even he, I feel like, has evolved and sure. softened a little bit 100%. in how he deals with his team and how he deals with certain situations. And I think that's the way we're going, and I think we're going to get there. If Dave doesn't work out, I don't think it's a stereotype on everybody like that, but I do think it's a mark of, like, saying, okay, his way doesn't necessarily work or it's not a guarantee to work, and it makes it harder – for coaches to take that approach because coaches by nature are risk averse and they're going to go with what they feel like is the least risky as opposed to trying to stand out and do their own thing. And administrations too. Administrations know like, you know, if if this guy doesn't work out, I can get fired. Right. Right. And so I think the biggest thing, in addition to like the idea of winning with rules guys, the other thing that potentially a black mark on Aranda is what's going on in Lubbock, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that he beat out for the job mm-hmm. is potentially on the verge of breaking out in another job of rival school in the same conference, doing it probably the more traditional way, right? Kind of a rah-rah, rally everybody, join, join behind Joey McGuire type of way. And you kind of have Aranda who's 
kind of the virtual opposite, right? A 180 personality, mm -hmm. very different. And yeah, it does like, I would say, I kind of agree with that where it's like administrate administrations, if anything, are more risk averse. Where it's like, yes. what do we know? Why, why do you think, you know, everybody in the state of Texas, quote unquote, Texas guys, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to hire somebody. They don't want to hire, no offense to Matt Wells, a uh, Matt Wells mm -hmm. to come in that doesn't know the culture, doesn't know the state, uh, just to have a different perspective or whatever. Because sometimes if it doesn't work out, well, that's what they point to. Well, look, you went different, right? You did mm -hmm. something different. And David Randa is something different. Kind of, 50, I don't want to say 50-50, probably 60-40 good to, you know, kind of questionable right now. He's trying to get that back up to where they were winning the Big 12. I will say this, talking to some of the Baylor guys, and I know uh, some of the guys on the uh, Between Two Bears podcast think this way, there was one hurdle about the Matt Rule era that he could never get over was he could never beat the other teams, right? He could never beat, he beat Texas kind of in one of Texas' down years. But the Oklahomas, right, the Iowa States, the best West, the good Dana Holgerson, the West Virginia teams, that was kind of a bridge too far that they didn't see them competing with at that point. I think they had Oklahoma on the ropes one time at home, but they blew that lead and, and kind of, you know, uh, obviously Rule was able to bring talent, but that's where Aranda, they feel like Aranda kind of surpassed Rule is mm -hmm. on the field, right? But where you kind of need to balance out is acquiring the talent mm -hmm. to then be able to flex your talent on the field. And I think that's kind of the question mark is can he get the talent to then – we know he's one of the best defensive coaches in the, in the country right. like easily. But now it's about bringing the talent in to be able to show that. And that's a fascinating conversation because when we were at, the, at coaching school last year, Dave said something that really has stuck with me is that if there are ten high school football players – or that can play Division One football, mm -hmm. three of them are a fit for us. Mm -hmm. And so that is a really selective pool sure, you're, sure. you're starting with. It's like Stanford and, or Rice. Or right. Yeah. And so because, because of the way he's going to run his program culturally and all that stuff. So if you're starting there, that means you have to really thread the needle. That means you have to have a lot of hits. And then also we have this other factor of NIL, which is, you talk about Texas Tech, mm -hmm. they're way ahead of the game compared to Baylor yeah. right now in that in that department. And well, so that's yep. gonna that's gonna that's gonna be a, a, an impact. And so whether you can bring that talent, those factors come into that. Mm -hmm. All right, we got one more question before we're gonna ask you to get out of here. But Texas, let's talk about it. I mean, this is the big talk. Uh, obviously their last year in the conference, favorite to win the Big Twelve, you know, <laughs> What's different about this Texas team? Like, we've, we've seen this before, right? We've seen, oh, they have all the talent. They have a quarterback. Yep. They have a wide receiver. They have a good play-calling head coach. What, what happened? <laughs> I think it's the way they've built the roster. And, and the thing is, to me, is the line of scrimmage. Is You look at that offensive line. I'll, I'll give you an example. When, when I first got to the athletic a couple years ago, I remember, and Steve Sarkeesian, it was his first year there, I remember going to practice. Uh, I went to A&M and Texas practice in the fall. You go to A&M and you look at the bodies and you look at the way those guys look and they look like an NCC team. Mm -hmm. They look like a, a team like LSU or Alabama even in terms of physically. Then I went over to Texas and they did not have nearly the amount of guys that looked like that. They did not look anything like A&M did physically. Mm -hmm. Now you go there and you go to practice and you look at the Kelvin Bankses of the world yeah. and the Cole Hudsons of the world DJ and Campbell. the DJ Campbells of the world and the Cam Williamses, and you look at the Byron Murphys, mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden that Texas team getting off the bus looks good. Mm -hmm. It's not just recruiting stars. It is legitimate physical talent with traits that will translate. So the way they built the roster from the inside out, and then you, I love the staff continuity they got. You've got a defensive staff with all five full-time coaches who have been there three straight years now. So that system continuity is going to really help. You've got one of the, the preseason defensive player of the year there. Mm -hmm. 
You, and then offensively, you've got one of the best play callers and one of the best offensive coaches in the country. The question to me is, if they're going to get to a Big 12 championship, is what is Quinn Ewers? Sure. Is sure. Quinn Ewers going to take that step? Because we saw the flashes of it against Alabama. We saw the flashes of it against Oklahoma. Of course, he had the struggles down the stretch. He's still a young guy. But if they're going to get there, mm-hmm. I think Quinn has to be the guy to take them there yeah. because they've got everything else they need around him. And so that, that, the, the talent is there, but I do feel like the way the program's been built, it's been built in a nice, organized, clean, structured way. Yeah. And I think, I think Sarkeesian has done a really good job in a short amount of time flipping this thing. Sure. I got one for you. Go for it. 2024, Texas plays at Texas A&M. How many of those two coaches are still there when that happens? One. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one right now. Uh, and I feel better about Texas' trajectory right now than Texas A&M's. But Texas A&M has the talent. Oh, if man. They were, if they are able to get it together, they have the talent of a 10-win team. Mm-hmm. Offensively? Sure. If Jimbo and Petrino get along and Jimbo stays out of Petrino's way and lets him do his thing, they have the offensive talent to be one of the best offenses in the country. No yeah. The question is, is will that happen? And sure. I, don't, I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we talked about the question of evolution. Is Jimbo willing to evolve beyond? And, and he obviously has done the part of hiring somebody to do the offense. Mm-hmm. But what does that look like in practice during the season? Yeah. But that is, the, to me, that is the pa- fascinating part of this is because those two programs, when one is up and the other is down, yeah. that's when everything changes. Mm-hmm. When, when R.C. Slocum – uh, was starting to come to the end of his career, Mac Brown was on the rise, and sure. then they made a change. When Mac Brown was toward the end of his career, Kevin Sumlin was on the rise, and that ended Mac Brown's career. Yep. They, they kind of work in concert like that. So it's going to be a fascinating thing. Beca- and also, of course, they'll be in the same conference next year. And thank goodness that we actually are going to get to see them play again yep. because yeah, it's God. a damn shame we're going to have gone 12 years without them playing. God, that's insane. All right, sir. All right, man. Appreciate you, buddy. You made your debut thank you. on RWF. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank Sam you so Con. much. Good to see you, Sam. Thanks. Escon Jr. on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. Craven's frenemy in the industry. <laughs> no, we love Sam Con here. All right, we got Carter Yates here to recap. Uh, Carter Yates right now is sitting down, setting up. Uh, he just got finished with the presser. Craven's going to swap out, too. We're going to get it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, well, Craven's going to go listen to Yormark a little bit because he's doing a little Q&A. They got, like, a weird, like, sit-down couch setup. It's very weird. It's very, like, casual. It looks like a Rock Nation-type <laughs> convention or whatever. Uh, we're going to have Carter Yates, and we're going to have Rob Bro from the Gambling Gauchos with us. Okay. I mentioned this is actually our first time hey officially Rob, meeting in person. Yeah. Meet <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. All right, before we uh, before we get to the Red Raiders, Carter Yates. What's up, buddy? Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> doing good. You sat there and listened to Brett Yormark talk and talk about, I don't know, do you have another Bape collaboration coming with the Big 12? Mm-hmm. What's, going, what's going on? Uh, not much. They just announced they're going to add Gonzaga and Colorado to the Big 12. Just live. Not a whole lot. I mean, obviously just recapping his first year. You know, yeah, I yeah. took they in regards to expansion, he said they have a plan. He's not going to address it today. Sure. But they do have a plan. Okay. Um, I mean, we've, yeah, we've seen the names of the programs that are tossed around, you know, Gonzaga for basketball, UConn, uh, San Diego State, Memphis, right? We've seen, like, yeah. those names. So, But some of the more concrete things yeah. I, I took away. First of all, Big 12 championship game is going to be in Arlington until 2030. Okay. So we're going to get plenty used to this Let's place. Go. Yes. <laughs> um, also, the Big 12 championship and other news, there's going to be a major musical performer at halftime <gasps> next year of it. So, is it just so gonna they're be doing j- more like Super Bowl now. I was I about guess. to say, yeah. yeah he, I mean, 
to be fair, that's what he was hired to kind of – that's what he kind of pitched himself on, right? right? He's like – people are like, what's this guy from Rock Nation doing? Mm-hmm. He has the Bape collaboration. He has, like, the weird mixtape that they had at the Big 12 championship game in the in the uh, for basketball. Um, so that is the co- – people made fun of him for the cooler, hipper Big 12, but it's like – that's exactly know, what they're tr- publicity. Exactly what they're trying to do. Also, they announced the Bob Bowlesby Award, for a previous Big Twelve commissioner. Yep. So that went to the top male and female athletes, okay. uh, who displayed you know great character. Of course, it sure. went to I- Iowa State's Ashley Jones, really okay. great yeah. basketball player, and T- now with the Wings, TCU's Max Duggan. Okay. Nice. So those were the two uh, award winners. Yeah, I mean, he talked about you know last year when he came in, he said. Big 12 is open for business, yeah. and a lot of people took that as, okay, expansion, mm-hmm. and which new teams are we getting? But right. he said, I didn't mean just expansion. I meant growing our revenue sure, sure. and looking for new ways that we can maximize on our brand. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, one more thing I forgot. Ooh. New logo, 2024. Really? Yes. Really? You know what? That makes sense. You mm-hmm. lose the flagship schools, right? right. And you, people are kind of wondering what is the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma. So it's like, why not just like come up with a new? I like that. I actually personally like that. So they, okay. they just opened it up to media members. First two questions about Texas and Oklahoma. Of course. So oh, sure. We, we knew course. that was coming. I mean, that was always going to happen. First. That was going to yeah. happen. So let's transition a little bit. You mentioned Big 12 championships going to be in twenty thirty uh, here till twenty thirty in AT and T. One program that's hoping to get in one of those slots in 2030 by twenty thirty is Texas Tech. What are the vibes like in Lubbock right now, man? They're high. There was a, an article that came out. The headline was the new Bama, the new man. Alabama. Wow. Oh, that's sports day. That's so brave. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'm going that far, but there certainly are vibes in Lubbock that are high yeah. on Joey McGuire as a program leader and as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely love Joey McGuire here. I mean, we're, we're not going to mm-hmm. act like we're not fans of the guy. We, 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 you know, we knew about him, right? When he was at Baylor, we kind of, when he got hired at Baylor, I was like, man, that's a smart hire by Matt Rule. Obviously, he kind of took over as, like, the de facto, like, kind of, like, secondary athletic director for Baylor football a little bit, the way he was kind of coordinating. And then when he got the tech job, we're like, man, that's such a smart move that I didn't think anybody right away Power 5 would make, right? I thought he'd go to UTSA or something first. Um, But how – like, I remember this time last year we were worried because he came into Lubbock. And he had a lot of, not a lot of repairing to do, but some repairing to do after Matt Wells, things like that. And then he came in, firecracker right away, won the PR battles. And then we're like, but do they have enough to, like, win right now? Right, right? Is it going to be like he's going to come with all this hype for wins, right? Then he comes in, says what he's going to do, which said, says what, he's, what he promised, which was beat Oklahoma and then tear down the goalposts, ends up happening. And now recruiting wins, all this stuff. I mean, what's this year been like? under a quick a quick kind of rebuild and revamp of the program more or less yeah it's been a whirlwind matt matt wells was not a bad recruiter he just didn't recruit enough high school players sure Mm -hmm. he hit on a lot of guys he Mm -hmm. hit on on a lot of transfers there was talent in lubbock i was about to say there was some some guys now that are still that were recruited under him he just couldn't win yeah and a lot of the talent you see that's going to be good for texas tech this year came in under matt wells sure um, I think where you see Joey McGuire's recruiting battles really winning is in two years. Mm-hmm. He still has to win another year or two with Matt Wells' guys. Yeah. So uh, I think he can do it. I think Joey McGuire, X's and O's, this staff that he put together is really good. Mm-hmm. But you asked about this year. It's It's been a whirlwind. Um, I didn't expect them to be as good the first year sure. as they were. Sure. Doing exactly what he said they would do the first time. Uh, since 2009, they hit a lot of landmarks, went to a bowl game, won a bowl game, won a, a X amount of games, period, in a yeah. season nine. 
uh, had a winning record in the Big 12 for the first time since 2009. A lot of those kind of things that you just hadn't been able to do since Mike Leach. So it's been a really good year, and now he's recruiting at a high level yeah. that you really haven't seen in Lubbock, period. Yeah. I was about to say, are you guys are you guys molding the Micah Hudson statue, just waiting for what's <laughs> oh happening? Lord, don't man, that thing it. is that man. thing is. I'm not jinxing it. There, that's been out there. Just Micah like, Hudson is jinxing it. If <laughs> you <laughs> <was about laughs> anybody jinxing that guy has been uh, a great Twitter follow. I, I don't know that he's coming to Texas Tech. I hope he does. That certainly would be a step forward for Texas Tech and mankind. But yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know about all that. Oh, uh, he's he's definitely played up everything. Like he's oh, like for, for a guy who has three tweets probably in his life, he's really good at Twitter. <laughs> he's really good yeah. at Twitter, man. Well, he deleted it and then came R- back with like an Oklahoma or no A and M avatar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what's happening here. Um, but so okay, let's talk a little bit about this upcoming year because it feels like. I don't know. We were kind of talking about it in the spring a little bit around the office. We're like, man, we kind of like what Texas Tech could do. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like everybody's kind of like, Texas Tech is the dark horse in the Big 12. Are they this still year. a dark horse if everyone well, thinks they're say, the dark that's horse? A, that's, exactly. that's, that's a good yeah. point. So, yeah. so how have you guys taken it? Are you guys kind of weighted? Are you kind of having weighted expectations? Or is it like, are you kind of like jumping a little bit in your seat? Like, is this a season that could be really something special? I'm always that guy. Okay. <laughs> that's I, fair. I'm an eternal optimist. I'm a silver lining guy, but I love returning production in football. Sure, sure. And Texas Tech has it. They've got two quarterbacks who've played mm-hmm. and played well, uh, which is a rarity, especially yeah. in this year's Big 12. You don't have a lot of guys around that have been playing and have played at a high level. So, Tyler Shuck, for all his pitfalls mm-hmm. and, and injuries, has never lost a game he started and finished at Texas Tech. Yeah, that's a good point. So I don't know how clear that is. One of them was Murray State. You know, you've, sure. you've played some some up, some down. He looked really bad in the two games he either came in against TCU or fit, mm-hmm. or started against Texas. You're already down 21 when he breaks his collarbone for right. the first time. So it's not like he's been infallible, but returning quarterback is a returning quarterback in the Big 12. Plus, you have a ton of defense back. I think you have 16 super seniors mm-hmm. on the roster. Man. You have depth for the first time at Man. Texas Tech. You you have age. Mm-hmm. You're old. This is the kind of Big 12 roster that competes for Big 12 championships. Sure. I'm not saying they will, but this is the kind of roster that it looks like. You have young talent, too, which ran Bradley. You've got a running back room. You've got an offensive line now that has a bunch of starts mm-hmm. at the college football level now. Two of them will be starting their first Big 12 games in Rusty Stotts and Cole Spencer. Sure. But at Western Kentucky, in this offense, they were very good two years ago. Yeah. I was going to so say. Y- you have all the pieces. Yeah. Can you put it together? I was going to say, and then after this year, I think this year, depending on how this year goes, right, whether or not they win, let's say, eight games, ten games, whatever, um, this is the year, I think, where people look at this staff and really start, like, potential i think last year they got away with just losing emma jones right because you have kitley who's now done it fcs group of five now he's getting done power five i don't think he lasts another off season without some some calls coming his way uh somebody like kenny perry we saw his name floated around a little bit i think people are going to start looking at the people around joey mcguire as like oh we want a little bit of that in our culture right and so you know once you start losing staffers that's when it starts getting questionable you know not saying they can't do it but you lose Kidley, who's really brought in an offense, and, and you know, he's, he's kind of probably the closest thing, like, pure air raid we kind of have in college football right now. Uh, everybody else kind of has a lot, a lot of mixture going on. Um, but you have him now getting it done, and it's like, okay, does he get pulled away? I know he's a Lubbock guy, West Texas guy, but head coaching jobs, head coaching jobs sometimes. And 
continuity is what kind of really gets this, really keeps programs kind of ascending. And yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my question mark too is like, it kind of is the perfect storm because, like I said, you just lose, really just lose Emmett Jones. You hold on to DeRuiter, obviously. He's probably not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But you hold on to that defensive staff, offensive staff for the most part. And then you mentioned the quarterbacks. Like, they were able to play three quarterbacks last year to varying degrees, but they did not drop off in any significant way. So, yeah, it does feel like a perfect storm kind of. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and you mentioned keeping the staff together. They kept the off-the-field staff together, which was mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. They, they mm -hmm. had calls. Mm -hmm. Blanchard and, sure, sure, and yeah. Nance and, and the guys working the recruiting, they had calls as well. Yeah. So, you know, when a, a program, I don't want to name programs, but a program that's independent and, and really good and has been for a long time comes calling and you turn them down to stay in Lubbock. Sure. That speaks to the program and that speaks to Joey McGuire's culture. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, like I said, we're fans of him here. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about what's happening in Lubbock because – He's somebody who I think, and I think right now we always hear about the talent in Lubbock and the potential there. I didn't know y'all had that kind of money in Lubbock <laughs> with some of, like, some of the NIL stuff <laughs> well, we that's going on. Oh, it's new. Okay. It's new money. There so, you go. Yeah, I think Texas Tech was always a little bit behind, especially in recruiting. Sure, sure. They were 10 years behind five years ago. Yeah. And I think you're on the cutting edge now with the NIL they're doing and, and putting it into it and Dustin Womble and mm – -hmm and uh, the double eagle guys, Cody Campbell. Yeah. But it's also Kirby Hocott mm -hmm. tripling, quadrupling the recruiting budget that he seemed want to do sure. five years ago. Right, like he just right. Wouldn't, you had, Cliff Kingsbury had one recruiter. Yeah, man. And now you have point. like a huge staff and a director of scouting, which I didn't even know existed in college football <laughs> until Joey <laughs> McGuire got here. Yeah. That's crazy. So I've got a question for on the field guys. This upcoming year, which guy at Big 12 Media's Day are you most excited to talk to from the Texas Tech team? To talk to? Yes. Jalen Hutchings is hilarious. Mm. <laughs> he, he's fun. Tony Bradford is, is also a trip. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. I talked to Jerem Bradley last year at uh, Tech Media Days. I'm excited to, to see his growth as not only a player but as an interview. Um, from one year – kind of being, I don't know, three, four, five in the lineup for wide receivers to being the guy coming in. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, I think, I mean, those guys have a lot. I mean, obviously, Jalen Hutchings has a big shoes to fill, obviously, on that offensive or the defensive line. I How say. about Texas Tech bringing two defensive tackles? When's the last time, I was about to say, yeah. when's, when's the last time you saw Texas Tech bringing defense, Defense. two defensive players? <laughs> yeah. Period, yeah. Good defensive players, yeah. not just like, yeah, I like this guy. It's like, Absolutely. no, he's probably going to be really good this year. So, yeah, that's going to be, I don't know, that's crazy. It's been I'm having to adjust a lot of my expectations of programs like last year with TC was TCU, obviously. This year's kind of with Texas Tech of like what my preconceived notions were. It's like, oh yeah, no defense. I was like, no, Tim Druder actually did a pretty damn good job. Uh, you know, no, they don't run the ball. I was like, I don't know, Taj Brooks is like a potential all-conference player. You know, like a lot of what I think of Lubbock and Texas Tech football from what Mike Leach and then Cliff Kingsbury kind of did has had to be washed away because it's like, now they're doing something different now, and it's very interesting to see. Do you have, like, a win total where you're like, this is the bar of a successful season and not? Uh, I mean, seven. Seven, uh, to, yeah. to match last year's regular season I think sure, is really sure. important, especially in the Big 12 record, five and three is really important. Um, or five and four, whatever it is. They play nine, I guess. Right, yeah. But – I think to just match last year's total and to be moving forward because seven and five can look a lot of different ways. Sure, mm -hmm. but a, so. but a good seven and five. Keep the hype rolling. Yeah, keep around the hype Joey rolling McGuire for sure. And, and yeah. Lubbock too. Yeah, 
All righty. So we're going to let you go ahead and get out of here, man. Cool. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, good to finally absolutely. meet you in person, man. Absolutely. Yes, finally Gambling good to meet Gauchos you. Yes. on Patreon, part of the Republic of Football Network. We're definitely uh, happy to have those guys there with us. Like I said, go to their Patreon as well. Subscribe to all of them. They'll put their uh, they put some exclusive episodes on Patreon. Of course, they're on the Republic of Football feed network. So definitely subscribe here if you enjoyed what Ryan. Rob had to say. And we have Ryan Monso from Go Cougs coming up next. Talk a little Houston, the the, the only newcomer here for Texas schools, uh, which is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that like they're they're here. I mean, I'm looking really around is. and you see like you I see, saw like, Joseph BYU, Duarte and I was like, oh right, Cincinnati, they're here now. <laughs> Houston, it's cool. UCF. I mean, it's just a different vibe around. And I feel the like Big Twelve. Houston, out of all the teams, the Texas teams, the Big Twelve is the biggest margin for what can happen. Right. Oh, 100 in their football season. Like we were talking earlier, it's like. That first game against UTSA is really going to show, like, how this season is going to go. You lose that game, and it's like, okay, this could go off the rails real quick. You win, and then the, they've got the talent. It's yeah. just young guys that they can make a yeah, run, possibly. Yeah, you open up week one, and it's it's stressful. But we got a guy here that's going to talk all about it. He looks a little nervous <laughs> when, when, we mentioned the, when we mentioned the UTSA. UTSA. <laughs> I don't How are you feeling yeah. about that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ryan Monso, of course, from GoCougs.com here. Uh, another member of the Republic of Football uh, Network, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Ryan, we were talking a little bit. We were at dinner last night, and we were talking a little bit about just, like, expectations and in general. Just, like, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a lot. Until recently, they've had some good recruiting wins the past couple weeks. But yep. it seemed during the spring, it was a lot of, like, doom and gloom. You know, you had the spring game get kind of canceled. It was, like, a lot of different bad snowballing things and so it's kind of been a, a nice revelation to have like the recruiting wins recently because it seemed like a lot of just like pessimism for a while at the program yeah there's been a lot of pessimism um but things have been rolling pretty well since mid-june they sure. started ramping up to the big 12 uh you know when they went in on july 1st mm -hmm. they they paired it with some uh, announcements on capital campaign and then they they paired it with announcements on recruiting and mm -hmm. so things are are moving in the right direction it seems but this part doesn't matter sure sure and it doesn't matter until that first weekend in september and my fear is that utsa has spent a year talking houston cougar football sure and u of h has spent a year talking big 12 mm -hmm. and what happens when pad meet pad and, you know, one school still smarting over a three-overtime loss yeah. a year ago that really, it didn't ruin their season, obviously, but could have been a big part of, of what they did. Mm -hmm. And U of H coming off a, frankly, mediocre season, bad yeah. season, right. losing to the private schools and, and nearly losing to another with Rice, you've got a lot to prove. Sure. And the players talk and say they have a chip on their shoulder. That's great. Mm -hmm. Let's see how that actually plays out. Yeah, no, 100%. I will say this. So for so many years, I remember when the first realignment was happening, you know, Colorado leaving the Big 12, all that stuff. It seemed like Houston going to the Big 12 was the bridge too far for a lot of programs in the mm -hmm. Big 12, where it was like, no, no, no. They don't want the Houston market getting in, or they don't want a team in the Houston market clogging up their Houston market. The Baylor, Tech, all that, they wanted to keep it to themselves. So we're fast forward, obviously. Houston gets the invite. You know, did you think this was a move that was, like, going to happen? Or was it just a matter of time at that point? Or were you just saying, no, they're never going to let us in? When OU and Texas made their move, mm -hmm. you knew that was your one shot. Sure. And 
I think everybody kind of got caught off guard, but they rallied. Before that, no, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe the American wasn't the end of the road, but it wasn't going to include a Big 12 invite. Sure. That rug had been pulled out too many times, mm-hmm. and at some point, you just got to face the music. Yeah. Now, when they did get the opportunity, when the Big 12 was suffering and it looked like things were about to fall apart, mm-hmm. and ESPN started working with the AAC to start pulling members, and U of H was a big part of that. And you thought, okay, because we, it really didn't look like the Big 12 would survive. Sure. And so at that point, you, you didn't even really want to be in the Big 12. Right. But when it did solidify and when they did get a plan, U of H was a part. It looked like for a minute they might not be, and there was some last-minute wrangling, uh, but they got in. Mm-hmm. And U of H people have been focused on this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And... It's going to be a big deal when TCU comes in week three. It's going to be a really big deal. Yeah. And those players, don't they don't know that. They don't understand it. They've sure. heard it. They've heard it a lot. Sure. But they don't understand. Yeah. And But they'll feel the energy in the stadium, and I think it'll connect. I was about to say, season tickets have sold out, right? I believe uh, so. They're close. They're, they're, close. they're, they're over 25,000. Yeah. That's a good sign, definitely. I was about to say, it's been – when I was a little – when I was kind of at my peak Houston uh, pessimism, I saw that number drop. And it was like they've had one of their highest surges in season tickets. I was like, okay, there is some hype here. Because, right, I didn't want – my worry was that, you know, a lot of the smoke about Dana and, like, all that. Like, he, he threw out the quote about my buyout and all that stuff. I was like, oh, is, he, is this fan base just going to be beaten down? But it's like, no, you mentioned it, right? 30 years of, like, wanting to be at, in the show, basically, mm-hmm. right? The Power Five Conference. Back in the, you know, uh, a couple head coaches ago, Tom Herman leading, the, you know, beating, uh, beating, be, being in this stadium, right? And, like, going to, to – Beating OU. Six. Yeah, beat, I, was about to, I was trying to remember the win. It was OU. Beating OU and, like, being on the stage where you're saying Houston is on the verge of being up there. And now it's here, right? Yep. And I guess for, for, for me, you know, we can talk a little bit about the Dana thing um, where it's like he's a head coach you brought in to get you to this point, right? And – is he the head? Is he the coach? Is this the year where he kind of proves if he's the coach to kind of take it forward now? Yeah, I don't know if if that's anybody's thought. To sure. be honest, I sure. don't think anybody is is wondering is is it going to be proven this year? Mm-hmm. I think this is get your feet wet, see what it's about, mm-hmm. and and really get like a firsthand example of where you are in recruiting. Yeah, like how far point. you are behind. Yeah, and. It doesn't matter if Bear Bryant coaches a team. If you're just so far behind recruiting, sure. it, just, it doesn't matter. And so I think Dana is going to have more leash than a lot of fans would like mm-hmm. because you've got to get to that point. You can't reset in the Big 12 and then reset again yeah. with a coach unless it just falls out. Sure, sure. I mean, if you fall out, then, then anything's on the table. But – Four wins, five wins. I think you could build on that. Sure. For me, year two is the most important. Mm-hmm. You don't have Texas at home. You don't have the big TCU premium game at home. What did season tickets look like that year? Yeah. And what does fan interest look like that year? And that's how you're going to figure out where this is going. For 30 years, 
uh, well, for 20 years in the Dome in the Southwest Conference, mm-hmm. you had big crowds for A&M, big crowds for Texas, and then flat line for mm-hmm. everybody else. Is it going to happen again? Sure. And you're going to find out in year two when you get Tech and Baylor most likely at home, mm-hmm. and then no Texas, obviously, right? and then travel to TCU. And I wish I had an answer for you, but I, I don't. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Carter, you mentioned variance, and I kind of want to get Ryan's thoughts on that because we were talking to you and Brad last night at dinner, and I think Brad threw out or I think he threw out seven, right, seven wins or something like around there. What are, what would you constitute a good season where you're like, you know, you didn't necessarily overachieve, obviously didn't disappoint, but what would you say is like Houston, did you can come out in December saying – Brush your hands off, say, not bad. Yeah. You, can, you can say any of four numbers here, and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brad has this point that you have basically half an AAC schedule. Yeah. Right? You right, have your right, three yeah. out-of-conference teams. You play Central Florida. You play Cincinnati. Yeah. And then you play West Virginia, mm-hmm. who's going to be pretty bad. So if you have six very winnable games, sure. is anything less than six wins a success? There point. are fans that think just beating Texas is enough. I am not one of those people. I believe Brad, I believe Brad mentioned that. He's yeah, like, they can go 1-11 as ones against Texas. They're, <laughs> well, like, awesome. Pesman has been saying that. Sure, and sure. that's fine. Yeah. I think it's just being funny. I right, don't right. think there are some fans that that is so important to. I'm not one of them. Sure, sure. I think you have to show progress. You have a – Dana's basically had the same quarterback the entire time he's been there. 100%. Um, he had four games with – Derek King, and then he left, and then it's been Clayton Toon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clayton has started every game but one. Logan Holgerson started at UConn. Yeah, I forgot about that. In 2019. Yeah. Was that the red shirt? Everybody redshirted year, basically? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, my expectation and or what I think a success would be mm-hmm. is eight wins. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know how you get there. Sure. Unless you play at a level, you've got at least right now 37 new people on the roster. Mm-hmm. How do you bring them in and make a team out of that? Yeah. And that's the hard part that you, and you've got a new quarterback, you've got a running back group that is unproven. They, they, they did an okay job last year, but terrible in short yardage. Yeah. And so you've got to, sh- they've got to show me. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. there's a lot that can happen. And like you said, four numbers. It could be three wins. It could be five, six, seven. Yeah. I think eight is a success, and that's including a bowl game. So yeah. if the wins are more kind of – it's almost a toss-up. It's more about, like you're saying, showing progress yeah. on the field. What are the position groups or position group that you need to see the most progress from from last year to this year? Offensive line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got starters coming back at left tackle and center. You've got some other guys switching around, and you've um, you have a guy coming back at right tack or right guard, I believe. So you've got some spots, but this team showed two years ago against Texas Tech, they got manhandled in the second half. Yeah, and Clayton Toon threw, I think, four interceptions, had four sacks. That can't happen, especially with new quarterbacks, and you you lose your best wide receiver, your best offense player. So. Offensive line really has to show something. And I think it's gonna you're going to see it between week one and week three. Mm-hmm. If you see progress then, okay. 
I don't know what week one's going to look like. I really don't. Right. On the defensive side, I think it's a defensive backfield. I think it's at safety. You had a lot of problems back there. Um, defensive line has been very good for a few years, but you are missing a lot of those guys. A lot have been drafted. A lot are playing pro football. That's probably the best coach on the team, Brian Early. Sure. But we've got to see what that defensive backfield can do because they are going to be on an island a lot more than they were in the AAC. And can they make that happen? Can they shut it down? Yeah. And Dana's going to try to do something in the Big 12 that teams really don't do. He's going to try to control the ball. He's basically going to take a knee. <laughs> and, you know, he's been doing that since he got to Houston, and it's it's frustrating to watch. Um, and we'll see. I just I don't know if you can survive in this conference with the way they've played in the AAC yeah. or the game plan that they've had. Sure. I get that. I get that. All righty, Ryan. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Dana's going to talk here today. So, like I said, all Texas teams are today except for Tech, who is tomorrow on Thursday. So, we're going to let you go ahead and get out of here, buddy. We all appreciate right. you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Ryan. Good to see you, man. Yeah, Mallory. Ryan, and, of course, listen to him and Brad on Go Cougs, uh, talking about them Cougars on the Republican Football Podcast Network. Uh, also, subscribe. They have, their, they have their own page and all that stuff. So, feel free to give them all the support you can. If you're a Houston fan, if you're not a Houston fan, just want to keep up with Houston. Definitely give those guys a follow and listen to uh, talking about the, them Cougars. So Hey, even if you're not a Houston fan, you know what they've got? Really great home field apparel t-shirts. Yes. Mm. What a segue. Beautiful. Let's talk about some home field apparel. Mallory, it's hot outside. It is hot. It's a little hot. Carter, you believe it's hot outside? Summer, Texas. It's a little toasty. Yeah. <laughs> How about you have some shirts that are actually look nice but also thin mm. and don't – when you walk outside for five seconds to walk to your car, you're not already sweating. Yeah, right. I need that breathability on the walk Because they're very breathable. Let's talk a little bit about Home Field. Home Field Apparel, sponsor of the Public Football Network. Promo code DCTF, get 15% off your first-time purchase. If you don't like our voices and you don't like, do not want to support Mallory, <laughs> right, you can support any of the shows on this network. You can support Ryan. <laughs> you can support Ryan and Go Cougs. Melissa. They all have their own oh. promo code. All give you 15% off your first-time purchase at Home Field Apparel. By the way, Home Field Apparel got some new drops. They got new drops every week, it seems. They got Oregon coming up. They've teased oh, Oregon a little bit man. on Twitter. They look fire as hell. This is like nice cartoon duck. They have the oh my, it looks great. They're dropping, I believe, Oregon on. Let me get this right exactly. They're dropping Oregon tomorrow, Thursday at noon. Uh, no, sorry, 11 a.m. noon Eastern. Uh, and then Saturday, new collections for Purdue and Indiana as well. Yeah. So nice. Ish, you, gave, yeah. Ish gave me a sneak peek of his sweatshirt he got. He said, hey, just you wait. Six months from now, this is coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. I should say, yeah, we've hinted at me and Mallory waiting for our gear. I we got my TC one last week, and I've yeah. already worn it like three times. I was about to say, it looks great. <laughs> uh, I got my Lamar hoodie. It is great. Uh, yeah, I was joking around Carter. I was like, cool, I'll wear this in November. So yep. <laughs> I just, I just want to make sure I have it now. I tried it on. I was like, awesome. Can't touch that for another couple months until the, it starts getting cold. But, yes, please. Support homefieldapparel.com. No one is make no one, and I guarantee you, no one is making retro vintage apparel that taps into school's history quite like Homefield Apparel. They have almost every Texas school except for UTSA, UTEP, and Texas State, I believe. Every other FBS program is and Sam. Sam's mm -hmm. are still still waiting on Sam as well. North Texas is the newest one that just launched their Super Pit sweater. I still love that. That's probably one of my favorite ones. If you're a Texas fan, if you're an AM fan, if you're a Houston fan, let me see. Rice, SMU, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. I mentioned North Texas. 
Lamar, they have a whole Lamar collection, which, of course, who has Lamar? They do. And Houston Christian as well. They have a Dribbling Husky, which is one of my favorite shirts ever that they've dropped. Go support homefieldapparel.com. Promo code DCTF, 15% uh, off your first-time purchase. And just keep it tuned. Get, get their emails, too, because they send out their new emails for their new drops and all that. So that's how I knew that Oregon, uh, Indiana, and Purdue are dropping. So support us or any of your favorite shows on the Republic Football Network. All right, Mallory. That's going to do it for us. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Appreciate you. By the way, all the reason why you can hear us, let me just let me just, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear out because I need I need to give full credit here. No. The reason why you can hear us right now is because of Mallory Hartley. We came here last year. We saw the radio set up. Look, Thank Carter, giving a Carter, giving a, an applause you. you can maybe hear I just on. Bowed. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we came here last year. and We saw the radio booth set up and Mallory was like, we should do that next year. And I was like, can we? And she was like, I can look into Bet. it. <laughs> year later. Or not even less than a year later, because she was contacting the Big Twelve, yeah. seeing what was possible, getting the very expensive uh, Ethernet cord <laughs> to be able to do this. <laughs> yes. And she was like, "We're good to go." I was like, "Okay, awesome." I didn't lift a finger. This is all her. Thank, well, thank <laughs> she you. took it. She it took care of it. So yeah. We'll be back next year. We'll, we'll be, be back next. Year we'll be better too. next year. This is our first run. We came in at nine o'clock, made sure we set up, had everything ready to go, and yeah. That'll do it for us. Thank you, Carter Yates. Thanks to Mike Craven, who was uh, listening to the last part of the Brett Yormark Q&A. Of course, thank you to Mally Harley, our producer, who made this all possible. I'm Ishmael Johnson. You're a college editor here. We'll be back, I don't know, next, I don't know. We're probably next be, Wednesday. Probably next Wednesday. We'll Maybe. see. Post-coaching coaching school. school. I was about to say. It'll, it'll be it'll, tough. It'll be iffy. Stay we'll tuned. See. We'll make an announcement. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. As usual, we have interviewed 12 of the, the 13 FBS head coaches in this state. Jimbo Fisher. Give us a call. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We're a Big 12. I don't care about Jimbo Fisher today. Uh, <laughs> We've had all the Big 12 coaches on. We have had all the Big 12 coaches so. on. So we will uh, talk to you guys later, and go Rutgers. Go Rutgers. <laughs>